Welcome to the Critical Witness podcast, where we talk faith, apologetics, evangelism, and anything else we can think of. We hope you enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Critical Witness, and if you're on the podcast, well, whatever time it is, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Uh, We're going to be talking about Christian nationalism and critical race theory, and it's probably critical race theory that we'll end up talking more of, and you'll see why as we go through this thing. Uh, Feel free to... uh, that noise was Dan moving his camera, hence <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so we're just going to be talking about that. We've got Claire Williams with us. So I'll, I'll bring both Dan and Claire on the screen so you can see what he's doing with his camera. <laughs> Some funny noises going on in the background there. Uh, Dan has got a new camera. We're just going to highlight that because of a very generous Patreon who uh, donated some money so we can uh, upgrade a little bit, which is uh, incredibly generous. So if you'd like to support what we do um, and be involved uh, in the background, give us feedback, and maybe even uh, sit in the back of some of these chats, then uh, do go to our Patreon page, Critical Witness, and support the work. But enough of that. Um, we just do, we do do this for fun, so it's not about the money. We, we just enjoy chatting to interesting people like Claire, who's going <laughs> to talk to us about critical race theory and Christian nationalism. We've had some conversations over the last couple months since we last chatted, and we were also going to be chatting about this last conversation, but it got derailed slightly, uh, slightly as we talked about um, the Christian response to slavery in the Bible and various passages like that. So... We're going to get moving. But to start us off, um, I didn't actually ask you to do this, Claire, but if you just give us a really quick summary of who you are, just one minute, and then uh, people can go back to the last chat um, if they've if they missed that one. Um, go for it. Who are you? <laughs> okay, so I am Claire, and I um, used to be a teacher. Um, and I grew up in a Christian home and became a Christian. And yeah, you'll see my, you'll hear my story in the in the previous podcast. But I'm really interested in sharing my faith. Really passionate about evangelism, but using uh, having that evangelism undergirded by apologetics. So um, recently, I've noticed, and I'm sure you had the the, the eruption of CRT and it, um, how it's discussed, particularly in Christian circles. And my heart is really about um, thinking about critical race theory and Christian nationalism, all this kind of stuff. In as far as you know, how can we talk about it in a way that still brings about the gospel, it still enables us to share the gospel? Awesome. And we haven't defined CRT at the moment. We will do it in a moment. Before, when we were going to chat before, um, a minister condemned CRT uh, during a parliament session. And we're just going to play that now. Um, and I'll make sure that I've got it on the screen. Here we go. What we are against is the teaching of contested political ideas as if they are accepted facts. We don't do this with communism, we don't do this with socialism, we don't do it with capitalism. And I want to speak about a dangerous trend in race relations that has come far too close to home to my life, and it is the promotion of critical race theory 
an ideology that sees my blackness as victimhood and their whiteness as oppression. I want to be absolutely clear, this government stands unequivocally against critical race theory. The, some schools have decided to openly support the anti-capitalist Black Lives Matter group, often fully aware that they have a statutory duty to be politically impartial. Black lives do matter, of course they do, but we know that the Black Lives Matter movement, capital B, LM is political. I know this because at the height of the protest, I've been told of white Black Lives Matter protesters calling, and I'm afraid uh, I apologize for saying this word, calling a black armed police officer guarding Downing Street a <laughs> That is why we do not endorse that movement in on this side of the house. It is a political movement. And what would be nice would be for members on the opposite side to condemn many of the actions that we see this political movement instead of pretending that it is a completely wholesome uh, anti-racist organization. There is a lot of pernicious stuff that is being pushed and we stand against that. We do not want to see teachers teaching their white pupils about white privilege and inherited yeah. racial guilt. And let me be clear, any school which teaches these elements of critical race theory as fact, or which promotes partisan political views such as defunding the police without offering a balanced treatment of opposing views is breaking the law. So it's a bit of an advertisement or advertisement, depending on your pronunciation, uh, for the sun there. They played the clip as a nice length. But um, so <laughs> as we get into this, she's obviously quite damning of what CRT is. I'd be interested in your definitions, both Claire and Dan, because I think both of you have looked into this far more than I have. Uh, we have discussed it with uh, Dr. Neil Shemvey in the past here, and um, that was quite—I think—that's still our longest chat that we've had on this channel. Um, but I'll be interested in your definitions. So, Claire, why don't you start us off first? Where, where, how would you define uh, CRT? <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to define CRT based upon what the critical race theorists tell me that it is. So um, for me, I've been reading some of the stuff by Derek Bell. He's, um, you know, considered once to be one of the founders of critical race theory. Actually, in his essay, I'm going to quote in a moment, an essay called Who's Afraid of Critical Race Theory? He actually says he's been given far too much um, sort of credit for, for, for the movement or for, for the um, discipline. And he, I don't think he even coined it that. So just to, just to, just to um, set that on the table, first of all. Mm -hmm. But Derek Bell says this in the, in the essay, and I, I think it's quite a provocative title, Who's Afraid of Critical Race Theory? Because I think there's been a lot of fear <laughs> about yep. it. Absolutely. And he says, um, from the perspective of critical race theory, some positions have historically been oppressed, distorted, ignored, silenced, destroyed, appropriated, commodified, and marginalized, and all of this not accidentally. And so based on what he has to say about critical race theory and what it does, I would say that he, he's saying critical race theory is about, um, uh, I don't want to say empowering, but giving voice to positions which have been oppressed, distorted, ignored, et cetera, et cetera, those things there. So giving voice to people and um, groups who have been marginalized. This is from Derek Bell, one of the, the, the founders, I would say, of critical race theory. Cool. Okay, so giving voice to marginalised. Uh, cool. I've got questions just to follow up in a, in a moment, but I'd be interested to hear what Dan Dan's definition is, and then I'll, I'll kind of put mine on the table as to how I understand it in a minute as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have my own 
definition like uh, i've i've read things i've tried to understand and i was as i was saying um you know previously i find um the whole um area of scholarship related to, to critical theory um more generally and, and critical race theory as well as as quite uh complex it's quite difficult for someone outside to step in and try and understand um, the language to have their own in-group language um, and that's um that's quite common in the social sciences um they sort of keep keep themselves to themselves but obviously the um, activists have kind of weaponized that scholarship in a way i don't mean weaponizes in that sounds negative but they they've they've applied it and um sort of applied uh, critical race theory to the um um to to their to their to their activism but the, the way i kind of understand it is it's it's kind of the view critical race theory again can me right kind of arose out of from a legal perspective um the way of trying to understand um racial disparities um in in law and and, the le and legislation um and and essentially uh, they were proposing that that the law and, and legislation were inherently racist um and that and another key tenet would be that that race uh, rather than being um biological um is a social construct created by white people um to kind of further um, and enhance their their interests so the, the law and legislation is set up in a way to benefit white people uh and to um uh, and, and 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 have its opposite effect on on uh people of color um uh, etc um, and that it's racial equality emerges from that um, you know you get sort of social economic and, and legal uh, disparities in in sentences and, and things like that um, on account of white people um, creating those structures um, leading to them benefiting from those systems at the expense uh, of, of people of color um, and that's why we end up with these these big disparities between um certain certain racial groups in, in terms of poverty um of uh, criminality and, and, and things like that and that's um that that'll be a rough rough something there's, there's more there's more i could say but that's kind of what, what what i've taken from it and 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 what what that means in, in practice and why i mean when i use the term weaponized i think when it's been um that scholarship has been applied what, what it amounts to, and I think what a lot of people have cons concerns about from from the activist perspective, is that it it if 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 you apply if you if you live and interact through that lens, it has the effect of 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 racial every, every interaction is um, it, it, you you interpret every in social interaction um, um, event celebration like. Uh, everything through a, through a racialized lens where you 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 presume that racism is is always present and so you ask a very different question so you don't start off by asking um you know was 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 that racist it's how was it racist and i think um uh, you know I, I have i have concerns about how helpful that is um whether that's even true empirically um i'm not even sure if it's falsifiable um etc but that, that would be sort of some of my concerns and i've got absolutely mm -hmm. um uh, uh, recently i, I was a, a co-author in a paper um in in the american journal of bioethics actually arguing for um uh, you know that actually uh, black people should be uh, or any people of color should actually um who have been given longer sentences um especially for sort of drug offenses should be released 
I think it's incredibly harmful to lock up mm. people, um, and, and this is um, um, and the, these drug offences, you know, possession things like that, do predominantly affect um, you know, African American communities and Hispanic and things like that, and that's absolutely harm socially harmful to remove uh, who are usually men removing dads from from uh, and men from the communities from their families. It's uh, it's uh, horrendous injustice, um, and it and it's uh, so I'm not I'm not again I'm absolutely against racism how I understand it in terms of discrimination um, against people on the basis of skin colour, um, but I, I am I am uncomfortable with with critical. taking that critical race <laughs> uh, yeah a, a approach to um, social interactions and 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 I, I really can't see that for me like I genuinely think it's going to be more I, I think it will cause uh, much much more harm than, than than good and i could be wrong but that's just the way yeah. i've kind of understood it so just to put my lay my cards on the table and my understanding of it as well as i'm kind of on the on the fence because there there are some criticisms of critical race theory that i see are legitimate but there's also um seeing it as a framework to help us identify who's been marginalized how they've been marginalized uh, and working to, uh, as you said, Claire, give a voice to those who have been marginalised. It does seem like um, there's a lot of conversation around power, who holds the power, who who defines terms. Um, and the, part of the reason I'm on the fence about it is because I see it used, the, the other side, let's say, uses it as a weapon, uh, potentially... If we're talking about racial sides, white people <laughs> tend to use it as a um, a label on people that are concerned about racial uh, inequalities and justice. And I think an example of that was I was listening to I think it was Razul Berry's conversation with Neil Shenvey on Unbelievable, um, and he came across CRT when it was a label used against him. Uh, in the sense of uh, being a cultural Marxist, uh, he was aware, this is around the time of George Floyd, he, he dug into the civil rights history, uh, building off, he, as he, in his words, building off people like uh, Frederick Douglass and uh, Sojourner. Sojourner Truth. Sojourner Truth, that's the one. And uh, the whole history of civil rights. And he was labeled CRT. Uh, or cultural Marxist, he then dug into it and started uh, really reading around what this label he was being uh, given. And his his argument was, there's stuff I can pull out of it, but there's also stuff that we can discard. And um, so I, I kind of see it in that way, potentially there's stuff that we can pull out, there's stuff we can discard, and that the stuff that Dan was mentioning some of the stuff that uh, I'm aware that if we have our lenses race, we will see everything as racial and that can that can cause severe issues. But one thing that stood out to me from from that conversation was um, Russell, he, he mentioned that oftentimes people throw this critical race theory as a label on people and they don't actually have that they, they have an uncritical race theory. They don't interact with the racial inequalities they don't uh see that the black community is still reeling from the stuff that's happened in the states around george floyd but even recently a 10 year old girl was pepper sprayed in the face by uh police and you you've got that uh 
going on and and then the retaliation of people that are against CRT instead of going this is horrific let's reform the police let's look at what's going on here they go oh you're just social justice warriors you're CRT and and so it becomes this label of fear that builds off the historic inequalities of like Martin Luther King being called a communist like it's it goes back this let's label those who are worried about social inequality and let's talk about the meaning of words without dealing with the injustice so that is kind of why I'm on the fence because I, I don't want to I can see that in the past these kind of labels have been used and I think you've used an interesting word there weaponized against black people going hey we're hurting here and I'm very wary of jumping to that because I've got some concerns that it, what they're saying might make me uncomfortable. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. And hopefully that kind of clarifies the position um, in, in that conversation. Hopefully that's kind of helpful. Um, so kind of moving on, f- on from that, I mean, when, Claire, what, what, what are your thoughts when, when we see someone like that and Trump did similar when, cause this was around the same time Trump was like, we're getting rid of CRT from all our government stuff. What, what's your response to to that? Do you think it's a legitimate move? Um, do you, do you think government should be worried about CRT uh, infiltrating our schools and our government programs? Is, is that is that a legitimate concern to you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'll start with raising one point first before I answer that question. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I do think that. Um, your everyday black person who is not a critical race theorist mm-hmm. can quite well articulate some of the systemic issues that critical race theory talks about. And so I kind of uh, I agree with what Russell Berry was raising in that, his discussion with Dr. Neil Shevney that and he says this beautiful phrase and it's, it's etched in my memory. Russell Berry says, when um, black people or even in within Christian circles, your black brothers and sisters are bringing an ethical problem to do with race. We are then met with an epistemological problem. That that's that's the the comeback that we have, and it's like really. <laughs> and so you kind of have to do all of this um, work in advance to define your terms, to set, state your position before you can then get to the hard work of of confronting racism. But mm-hmm. you know. Before I and, and you, you said that um, Russell said in the um, interview that before he could get to um, when he was trying to talk about um, racism, he was then given this label cultural Marxist, and then he had to go and do all this research into critical race theory, mm-hmm. and then be able to have a seat at the table to have discussion. Mm. When actually he knew, like most black people know, and I'm not here to talk on behalf of all black people, but mm-hmm. many black people can articulate in their own way a lot of what critical race theorists say. And so I do think that there is an issue, there is this kind of barrier that goes up when racism is put on the table. And there's a lot of work that um, black people who may be um, suffering in different ways have to do before they can have a voice. So I just, mm. I, I think that's quite um, an important point to make then. I've got some other things to say about that, but I'll go to um, Kenny's um, speech. I think I can I can agree so far insofar as I used to be a teacher for 10 years 
and there is a professional manner that you must have you know so I I'm, I'm, I was I am a Christian and in the classroom mm-hmm. I, couldn't bring, I couldn't bring my and I wouldn't do that bring my um religious beliefs to the fore maybe if I was teaching something like Macbeth there's lots of sort of Christian references in there and sometimes that's helpful for the kids to know so they can analyze it in the exam very different to sort of proselytizing okay mm-hmm. so I understand Kemi's point about this professional neutral position that we're supposed to have as, as um, teachers and practitioners in the classroom however um, it's interesting that um Kemi's very wary of this sort of victim, oppressed, oppressor sort of paradigm that is inherent within critical race theory. Hmm. Uh, and she does reject it. But perhaps a critical race theorist would argue that her her um, rallying of the government against critical race theory is precisely what an institution would do in, in, its, in its perpetuating oppression. Okay, so hmm. I just think there's hmm. some, some ironies at work in what she's actually doing and, and um, Interestingly enough, in Derek Bell's essay, he talks about, um, I think, a guy called Randall Kennedy, who is who um, has been a very um, outspoken critic of critical race theory, a black scholar. And um, in the essay, let me see if I can find it. I hope I don't come off camera, but I'm just going to try. Good. I'm good. OK, let me just see if I can find it. So Derek Bell says of um, of the criticism that Randall Kennedy, I think, I think, yeah, it's Randall Kennedy. He says, um, when a black scholar at a prominent law school tells anyone who will listen that other folks of color are deluded about being excluded on the basis of their race. When a black scholar says these things, all who rarely listen, who all who rarely listen to scholars of color, sit up and take notice and take mm-hmm. notes. And so there is this irony that because Kemi has said it as a woman of colour, as a black woman, therefore it gives her position more clout because she's condemning something that is kind of being said on the on, to, to advocate um, some of the things that critical race theorists are saying about black people's suffering. So there's all these kind of um, ironies and and. Think things that work behind behind this, which I'm not comfortable with, to be honest. And then there's this whole notion of respectability, the idea that um, as a black person, you kind of behave yourself and you you play by the rules and you you know you pull yourself up by your bootstraps because that's the way it's done. And then you might be listened to. There's all that kind of politics going on in the background of this. And as I said, hmm. I 100% agree with professional manner which if, if if a lesson was being taught about critical race theory you need to show all sides okay mm. however i do think that there is an irony in the fact that a critical race theorist would say well surely this is what an institution would do mm-hmm. yeah and there, I mean, there must be an argument that it's it is a prof- it's a theory at play and at work in our society that it would if it's such a if it's such an influence, then it should be looked at and discussed, just like we would discuss the issues around Nazism rising up and the the inherent white race. The, that whole thing is discussed in history. Surely, looking at critical theory from an educational perspective, has there is an argument for that rather than suppressing it as this. Yeah, but thing. you have, you, have to, you, you have to get it right, don't you? So you've got a. You, like I think what Claire's saying is you you can teach you can teach about something 
or you can hmm. teach that it. it. You can teach that. Right. Uh, and 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 I, and I think a lot of people will have issue with because I think a lot of people that bring it in tend to be themselves activists in some way, and so they often find it difficult to present things um, objectively because they think they are true. And so rather than just telling students about uh, you know white privilege, uh, critical race, the sort of concepts of inherited whiteness and and um, you know power structures and things like that, you end up teaching them as if they are as if they're fact. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't have any issue with, um, you know, children being taught about um, critical race theory, but I would feel uh, very uncomfortable if if they're teaching, you know, same with capitalism or something like that and socialism, you know, a, a teacher's role is to teach about those things, you know, what are its strengths? Um, what what are, it, um, what, are it, what are its weaknesses? What's its history? You know, so, but you would teach those things, but you wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want a teacher sat, you know, promoting capitalism and condemning socialism. I think a teacher should be objective and it's up for children to make their mind about yeah. on the basis of their further reading or their learning and discussions about, uh, you know, what their conclusions are about those things. In the same with something like critical race theory is I think, uh, yeah, teach it, just don't teach it as if it's fact. Um, yeah. Because I, I, don't, I don't think that's the role of a, of a teacher. And I think she's right that they are contested. Uh, they might not be within the discipline itself because you know that's the, the nature of a lot of social science especially especially sort of um, the scholarship around critical theory and critical race theory is it's um you you can't if it, it, it i'm not sure but you, you can't criticize it within within the discipline if you if you criticize it so if you if you criticize critical race theory you would you would yourself be um you know especially if you're a white person um it 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 it, it it can it almost it it condemns in a, in a way implicitly any criticism and so i think because, because there isn't you know if there's other disciplines there is a there's a history of scholarship of, of criticism and um back and forth and, and replying to things and without um without stating anything about the character of of, of the person who's uh, responding or engaging with those ideas but um, from what I understand, that's not something that's part of the culture of, of, um, of, of, of critical theory. And maybe that's why people, I, I, I don't know, I just think that's why it's something that lends itself to being something taught that is true rather than teaching students about it, which I don't think anyone really should have any problem with. Just just on that point, I've I wonder, been wondering on that. The, the, the criticisms I'm seeing are there's very little nuance in them they're like this where it should just be denounced outright and just cleared out and and not dealt with at all i don't know if that's in the scholarship i haven't engaged in that level so i am i am i have seen that this the kind of there's a label called kafka trapping where you you are damned if you do damned if you don't basically with uh, as a white person if i condemn crt i'm holding up white supremacy if I go along with it, then I, I, I have to apologise for everything that's white. <laughs> so the, you, you have to commit and, to a life of anti-racism. Yeah, no apologising every time that I, I see someone, and, and that's obviously the extremes, which is kind of why I'm bringing them up because that, that's the kind of condemnation I'm seeing is that we get rid of it all. And maybe that is hot holding <laughs> a, a particular view on the world as the view on the world and not attacking with nuance. And, and I think there are people that are trying to do that, 
but their emphasis is on what everything what's wrong with CRT. And I think Razzle Berry was quite interesting in that he's trying to say, look, there's all this stuff that's going on in the world that is horrendous. I want to use everything I can to defeat that. And now I'm caught up in defending all these terms rather than going, look, racism is wrong. These people are hurting. There is this concept of privilege. Call it what you like, but white people aren't getting X, Y, Z, whatever it is. I don't have to worry about the color of my skin when I meet a cop. Like the, there's there's all that sort of stuff that is a privilege. And, and we know all these other privileges exist, whether you're good looking, whether you're whatever, you end up with certain ways people treat you um, because of those privileges. Well, then it becomes an extreme that you end up applying this to every white person you meet and, and it becomes complex. Um, but I, I wonder how, how either of you looked at in into the, is that really true that there's no internal critique of this? Because all, all I'm seeing, at least from the outside, is that the critiques are, we, we, we can't use any of it. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say that um, the little bit of reading that I've done from Richard Delgado, um, I think he's got a book called Introduction to Critical Race Theory, something like that. And there's a bit about um, some of the criticisms that, there's. I think there's a chapter on the criticisms that um, CRT has uh has criticisms that have been leveled CRT disparity between uh what the academics say and what happens on the ground so kind of linking to what you were saying before Dan but also this idea of okay so you 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 articulate the problems and I think some of the articulation of the problem is very um compelling um what is the solution what do you expect us to do because and so it kind of back to your point Phil is what CRT um, identifies all the disparities, racial injustice that we see in society, are they fixed and and is someone an oppressor in perpetuity? Those kind of things. So there is some discussion that I've seen, as I said, very briefly um, internally. And and um, I think social sciences, they do have, from what I've seen, because I'm, I'm doing a master's at the moment um, in culture, diaspora and ethnicity. So dealing with critical theory, hmm. um, a lot and there is uh there there is internal criticism but i think there again that just comes back down to this this gap between the academy and then what happens on, on the ground so um i think that's an issue but i i also think um in kemi's speech there's a little bit of like you were saying phil there's this lack of nuance okay when crt is criticized and because she says here um an ideology that sees my blackness as victimhood and their whiteness as oppression. And I think there's this, I think there is something wrong with, if someone makes a complaint, calling them, you know, damning them with victimhood, hmm. it kind of takes away any legitimacy from the complaint. I think, I think it's such an oversimplification of what, um, critical race theorists are saying and what just in everyday interactions I have as a black person and other black people have I don't think of myself I don't wake up in the morning and think oh woe is me because I'm a black person <laughs> I'm a yeah. you know yeah. in fact I do think many people in the black community and I can say this as from my own experience as a black woman 
have a kind of stoicism like you you carry on and you you continue I talked to you last time about my roots of black Pentecostalism mm. and you know you have people black people in their 80s in ministry in leadership positions of church because they continue and there is this because of what they they face those sort of 80 year old ministers what they face in the Windrush um, era mm. they've just had to continue to fight so this idea that black people are walking around claiming victimhood I find really problematic because mm. that's not what I have done in my life and what I've seen it from many black people. And I think if someone is, um, if someone, you know, is bullied or whatever, then they are a victim. It's just become a very toxic term. Um, mm. And and I think that, I think it's, yeah, I think it's problematic. I, I'm mm. not liking that. So this lack of nuance, I think is, is a problem. Um, yeah. I think the problem is is um, the public discourse is tends to be dom tends to be dominated by extremes, and so um, uh, you know we've talked about nuance as well. Big fan of nuance, uh, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't work in the media. It doesn't work in 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 for the in the, in the public sphere very well because it doesn't get it doesn't get attention, and and so you end up with these these extremes. So you end up and you can see how it. Um, how certain views get ascribed to a group so you know something like um you know blm you know when you hear people talking about defund the police and things like that that view now is attached to them as, mm -hmm. as a view and so because that is an absurd view like that that would literally be mm -hmm. the worst thing like if you if you've got rid of the police force like we know absolutely empirically that would literally be the worst thing for those communities they they the, the communities that you're trying to help would be the ones that suffer from a, if you just remove the police Crime, crime would absolutely increase. Um, so that would be that would be the worst thing. That would be the worst thing you could do. But that that view is attached to to those right or wrong. You know, there might be some people that think that, but actually a lot of people who are concerned about racism uh, um, have a more nuanced view. They want they want to see uh, less racist, uh, uh, you know, um, murders from from police. You know, less uh, profiling. Um, you know, those, those kinds of things. They want to see fairer policing. And then you've got the other people who are like, I just, we just support the police, whatever they do. And so that's that's how certain people view themselves as well. And 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 I'm sure, um, you know, people, you know, um, people who would, um, you know, on, on, more on the far left, who had have their own sort of stereotypical views about what right wing people think. Um, and there, and, and these two extremes, and, and it seems like what she's saying when she's attacking those views is she's attacking. A view that some people hold but it's probably it's probably not the majority view, as you said like you've never met you don't know any black people who think of themselves as victims and wake up and say oh you know woe is me um yet again there might be some people that think like that but that's that for, for me that has to be the, the exception and not and not the rule um mm. and so it's not very helpful when she says things like that because she's not who she's speaking to she's speaking to her own in-group She's not speaking to 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 she's speaking to people who, yeah. who, who all, the, all, all the people going oh yeah yeah all, all, all agreeing with her yeah 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 we're for that well, why and and that that's not really helpful she's she's speaking mm. she's preaching to the choir she's not going to persuade anyone who actually thinks there's some um, you know validity in in in, in critical race theory and those, those kinds of views um, so it just I don't know it just seemed like um, yeah, sort of backstabbing within the English. You're right, and one of the the comments here kind of points points it out. There's there's an aspect that I want to sort of raise attention to on this, because 
there may be some people that claim victimhood and and all that, but I don't think that's necessarily to do with race. Um, but there's also people that will jump on this video now and have jumped on it and gone, see, look, a black person agrees with me that, that all yeah. this is, is wrong. And, and I think you pointed it out, Claire, that that's what happens is it reinforces. And I know people go to Thomas Sowell on online and it's let's find, <laughs> let's find a black no person. No interest in Thomas Sowell as a black scholar before May 2020. No interest <laughs> yeah. at all. No in who, you know, no interest in Kemi, no interest in, um, you know, Sean King, no interest in anyone who was saying anything that seems quite, and it's just, it. Mm -hmm. and I do think, and I'll say this, and I actually, I talk about this on a podcast I'm doing with, with some, some friends of mine. I, I will ask this as a question. Is there an unconscious barrier or an unconscious racism or reflex that happens when we, are, when we encounter a, a scholarship, a discipline, which is primarily about for, written by ethnic minorities, which mm. on the basis of that kind of decenters um what we would normally know as classical knowledge or or knowledge predominantly by white scholars and you're suddenly you're confronted with this scholarship that you have to go and read that you have to go and study or listen to some extreme views and then just say haha i know it all and therefore i'll dismiss it it's this body of knowledge which you are no longer an expert in and i and, I, and i've said that of myself i had to go and do research and then it's like is there some feeling of loss of like this isn't the way that scholarship is done, this isn't, so, so I'm no longer the expert. And I think that's quite an a d unsettling thing because um, I, I feel sometimes that's what I'm, 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 I'm seeing in, when people engage with this kind of discussion online. Oh, it's just nonsense, it's just this and it's just that. Have you actually mm -hmm. given it the time of day? And is your reason for not giving it the time of day because it's not about you? <laughs> and it, what it says is gonna be challenging and confronting and I think there is possibly an unconscious reflex to to kind of panic and go, well, this must be nonsense. And I, I, I think we we would do well to to ponder that question. Yeah. Just quickly on Thomas Sowell, I will say in defense of some people's love of Thomas Sowell, I, I've been a fan of Thomas Sowell's for, for years. As, and I know a lot of conservative thinkers, um, you know, but then the thing about Thomas Sowell is he's been speaking, doing this stuff since the 60s. And he's been a darling of, the, you know, the American right for okay, 50, enough, yeah. 50, 50 yeah. years. And if you look back, he, he watch some of these videos from the 1960s and you see him dealing with the early, uh, these sorts of early views as they were developing, uh, engaging with a lot of fem feminists as well, like radical um, feminists and stuff like that. It is interesting. He's still, got, he's still going strong. He's, he, I, I, do, I do like reading. Actually, I'll be honest, I didn't know he was black for quite a while, just in my opinion, I didn't know he was black for, for a while until I watched some of, watched his videos. Mm. Uh, Again, I, I didn't know he was white. I didn't think he was white. I just didn't know he was black. I didn't know. I just read read the book. Um, but yeah, but I, I think you're 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 probably right in regards to um, sort of fear around engaging with 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 topics that are, are unknown. I think there's something. I don't know. What it is like um, there is a sense in where a lot of the new disciplines are. Um, they are. In a, in, a, in a sense, they come across, and again, I'm not sure if it's fair, 
but they come across sometimes as activist disciplines. So they're trying to they're trying to promote something. So if you look at things like you know, um, you know gender studies, women's studies, black studies, uh, um, you know I can, I can think of other, other other sort of disciplines like that. Um, they they are the the purpose of the scholarship is. Uh, and, and, and they're honest with this, it's not neutral. They're not a neutral discipline. They have certain presuppositions that they are promoting and want to um, and, and want to change. You know, if you look at queer theory, you know, um, you know things like that, um, they want a queer culture. They want to um, get rid of binaries, of a, a, any kind of binary thing. They want to, and that's why we talk about queering theology, you talk about uh, queering history, queering geography, um, you know, it, it, it's an, it's that's they have these assumptions so it's absolutely it's not it's not like um the, it's not like the sciences the hard sciences um although you know, they will have their own um you know assumptions as well but it's not they don't come they're not they don't come across as activist disciplines they're trying to they're trying to change culture and change people's minds and they have certain assumptions that are not self-evident and i think that is um that is something that, again, from an outside, you know, I don't know a lot about these things. I know a little bit about um, some some of those disciplines, but they are um, and they're utilised by activists as well. You know, mm. so when we start looking about, um, uh, you know, feminists will draw from uh, women's studies, and and um, gender activists will draw from gender studies, and disability activists will draw from disability studies and critical disability studies and things like that. So there is there is something different about them. Um, compared to how we classically conceive of scholarship, I think. Again, I might I might be wrong, but that, that's my sort of uh, interpretation of it. And I think it's it's self-evident in a way that they are uh, approaching um, the pursuit of truth uh, in 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 a way that, again, it it's uh, and this might be it's non it's um, they're they're attacking. Um, in, in so many ways, Western assumptions, and I, I don't mean I mean, I mean Western is in, in white. I mean, his, you know, traditional Western Enlightenment values. I know the majority of people were, uh, you know, this origin is, is rooted in, um, uh, you know, pe people who are light, light skinned, etc. But they are not, um, you know, things like, um, you know, the scientific method, uh, rationalism, things like that. You know, these yeah. are things that they, you know, they will active, they will, uh, you know, actively say that they are. You know, tool, tools of colonial oppression, tools of um, you know to perpetuate uh, white supremacy and things like that. You know, I've seen the science science called a tool of white supremacy, reason a tool of white supremacy. Um, you know, that there are these other ways of knowing that we can explore questions, and that might might be the case. Um, but it is it is a um, they do come across as fundamentally different disciplines and, and ways of of of, um, of doing scholarship. So I think I repeated myself mm. quite a bit then. I apologise. It's, it's, okay. um, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, anything you say that, Claire? I mean, I, I'm aware that some of that, and one of the comments in the live chat starts to overlap with the other extreme of Christian nationalism when then where there's this idea of our foundations are being eroded <laughs> by this crit critical theory. Um, and, and I wonder if there is a little bit of overlap there. But I, I think, again, there's... Is working out the extremes because while there is evidence, good evidence of things like privilege, and some of that's just culture. I mean, you go into 
other parts of the world, there will be a privilege for a different group of people. And uh, I keep an eye on West Papua because I, I grew up in, in Papua New Guinea. And West Papuans are Melanesian, Indonesians are Polynesian, Indonesians have colonized West Papua and are racist to West Papuans. And they will call them monkeys. They will basically, it's, it's colonization in 2021 that lots of people aren't aware of and are quite happy to ignore because Indonesia sits on the UN Security Council. So you've, you've got this idea of, of cult. There's a, if you've got a majority culture, you're going to have the majority assumptions in that culture. And oftentimes the minorities will suffer because the majority do the thing without having their assumptions challenged. And, and so what we're finding in the West where there's an element and I, and maybe I'm, I'm speaking beyond my expertise, but there's, there's this element of Christian principles that have allowed for uh, the tolerance of different beliefs and systems, which isn't happening in Indonesia for, for different religious reasons. You've got this sort of tolerance of, well, let's let the minority speak. And we've, we've, I'm not saying that we're fully Christian. There's a lot of evidence, and I, I put it in the comments with talking about our foundations are Christian. Sure, some of our values are, but you've also got the irony of like America built on the inalienable rights of freedom and liberty, while those people who wrote those documents held onto slaves and thought those be, those people weren't <laughs> legitimate human beings. So you, the, the, there are Christian values that are foundational to our societies about tolerance and things that have gradually, really, unfortunately, slowly allowed minorities to speak. And it's been generally the minorities that have fought for that freedom uh, for minorities to speak. But we're getting to this point where the minorities do have a bigger voice and are rightly <laughs> wanting equality and to challenge the status quo of the majority. And that becomes this clash of uh, values which are which are our Christian values? Which, which, which of them are Christian? Is it the, the fact I have rational uh, thought, I think in this way, I've read the Bible this way, uh, I'm a Christian, it, I, I worship this way, I sing this way, I dress this way. Those often are brought into Christianity and that's how, that's the gospel. I've got to, and I've seen that in Papua New Guinea, where you've got, you're in tropical heat and everyone's wearing Western suits. <laughs> What's going on? Well, it's because that's how they were taught to dress by the white missionary as they went into Papua New Guinea. So you, you've got, it's what basically what I'm saying is it's really complex, but we've got in the West, we've got this idea of this is Christianity, this is Christian values, and it looks like this. And generally what it looks like is white. And then we've got critical theory coming along saying, no, that's that's oppressing. That's power. That's not Christianity. I'm using this framework to analyze your Christian Christianity. It comes along with language like white privilege, deconstruction, decolonization. These are all pretty strong loaded terms. There, those things need to be critiqued because the gospel is for all nations. The people in the West have got so caught up with what the gospel looks like when they're critiqued, they go, "This isn't Christianity; it's communism." Um, so, I can—that's kind of the stuff not that Christian, I'm, it's not just Christians who say that, though. 
No, it's it's not. It's not. So you don't it's, have to be a Christian to, be, to to have concerns with. No, we're we're not. A, the UK is not a majority Christian country in any way. No, I'm, it's not. Yeah, less than five percent of the two there. And I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to be Christian to critique critical race theory, but I'm saying that the majority in Christianity is in, in the UK at, at this point in time. The majority churches are generally white, or at least the Church of England is, which has some to say. So, wow. I, I, I blended two two things into one. So I, I think what's happening in the church is an outworking of what's happening in wider society when we hear things like CRT and, and people critiquing it. Outright. Again, I'm going to push back because I think even the assumption, making sweeping assumptions about the church, most people are, I meet, have, have a, a lot of similar concerns. They're not, you can't, you can't take like, you know, comments from the odd person on Facebook and, and what someone says in your social media sphere and ascribe that as, as, as the, as some sort of majority, majority view. I think nearly every Christian I meet black or white is concerned about racism. I mean, the odd ones that are sort of usually tend to be older, uh, older men, usually, or, uh, you know, uh, old, older people. Uh, but but largely everyone seems concerned about racism and, and what and what what they can do within the church. Um, again, you always find hor- horrible examples, but mm. um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so, I don't I would say, yeah, I, I think everyone when you ask someone anyone are they are they concerned about racism they're, they're likely to say yes i don't think anyone would be in their right mind to say no <laughs> but when race is challenged using a framework that we aren't comfortable with we go hold that's up. because it's don't, false don't, why, would, why, would, why would something that's why would, why would you feel comfortable around something that's false but is the whole thing false and i think that's the conversation yeah that no, we're having. i don't think i don't is think the whole thing's gone claire you go Hi there, this is Phil Dunkarf. Thank you so much for listening to the Critical Witness podcast. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe, share the episode and write a review. It will help others find us. And if you really like what you hear and want us to grow, please do consider supporting us through patreon.com forward slash critical witness. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, and this is this is my issue. Okay, so I from what I've generally seen is that most people and most Christians would, as you said, Dan, say that they are concerned about racism, but be less willing to to discuss or accept that racism expresses itself in different forms and some of the forms that critical race theory espouses. So for instance, most Christians will say that interpersonal racism, your one-on-one contact, you know, kind of using horrible words, that kind of thing that happens, that kind of one-to-one thing, but would have massive discomfort with um, thinking about systemic forms of racism or institutional racism. And um, I understand why, because Um, obviously Christianity is about the transforming of the human heart because of what Jesus did on the cross and um, so clearly if one person is racist to another their heart needs to be worked on that's what the gospel's for but actually as my friend on a podcast said um, 
her name is Damalola McIndae. She's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Do listen to the podcast. But she says, look, Christians should be rightly concerned with what is going on in the human heart, but it is humans create systems. It is out of the human heart that these systems are created. So the two, it's not an either or, it's a both and. And so I have found that when I give examples of institutional systemic racism based upon empirical data, okay, so this is not me theorizing, this is not me taking Delgado's work, and this is me using statistical data, often the response is, well, it, it could be because of this, or it could be because of that, or it could be because of that. But in, in every category, black people, and, I, and I, I'm not speaking on behalf of other ethnic minorities or all of the black community, but in every category that I raise, black people are consistently the ones who are suffering because of such injustice. But each time, so when I'm using my, my rational capacity to say, look, there's, there's a pattern here, there's a trend here. Every, every time I would do that, it, the pushback is, oh, it could be because of this, it could be because of that, it could be because of that. And, and that's, I th that's what I think is problematic because when I'm using <laughs> the tools with which I'm, I'm, I, I expect to be listened to, empirical data, and I'm drawing, I think, quite intelligent conclusions, it, it's just this instant pushback. And I think similar to what I was saying about our approach to critical race theory as a discipline that we might be unfamiliar with, is that pushback just this, you know, you know, move to incredulity because we just can't believe that such racism existed. This is 2020, surely not, mm -hmm. surely not. When actually, if we maintain that the human heart is, 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 is in need of a saviour, then surely yes, such extreme forms of racism or such institutional forms of racism can still exist today. And I think that's for me where the, the conversation needs to be had and also thinking about, and I said this at the start and you, you, you both are, are lovers of apologetics, as Christians, what is it that can be redeemed from critical race theory? What is it that we can engage with before just throwing everything out and and also when you have and i think um what's his name esau macaulay talks about this in an article where he talks about kind of kind of like the history of the, of, of the african-american church and he talks about kind of like the majority of like the black traditional church many people in there will say look guys we're christians we believe the bible you know Interpersonal racism happens, but also racism happens in these forms as well, systemically and institutional racism. We're not giving up biblical orthodoxy here. We're telling you there are patterns. And instead of our voices being listened to, you get the voices of, example, Randall Kennedy or, 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 or Candace Owens or Kemi or, or um, Tommy mm -hmm. Those Those minor, the mm -hmm. minority group, their voices are heard. Well, look, there's a black person who disagrees with you, so it can't be true. And it's like, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. I am your, your Christian sister who is telling you this stuff exists. It is real. Mm. And we would rather massage our consciences and listen to those who would tell us what we want to hear. And I, mm. I, I find that difficult. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen, seen that happen <laughs> as well in interactions I've had on, online just to sort of shut you down here's, here's this person and and I know it happens uh for for others so I, I mean just just on that does that down with critical theory 
because because I said at the beginning, I'm kind of on the fence anyway, and I'm trying to pull things out that I see are true and um, like the experience of white privilege, like the experience, like th- those terms, and and even to the extent of there is a truth that our theology has been influenced by a large proportionate amount of Europeans for a long time, while there has been a significant um, theologi- theo- theologizing, theologizing by um, black people in black churches, and we call it black liberation theology and generally poo-poo it. Like there's, there's this, how's this happened within Christianity? And how, how are we going to reunify the church and listen to people who who have grown who are growing up on CRT? How can we find a bridge, I guess, um, rather than shutting down? So I'm, I'm just in, interested in, in what aspects, knowing that it's not all false, what aspects do you see as useful for the church, um, given I think you've dug into it a little bit more than I have? Um, well, try and find, you know, I, I think always um, something helpful is try and find points, identify points of agreement. You know, what is it that, um, you know, I think someone like myself who is largely sceptical of the main assumptions of critical race theory, um, or maybe not the main assumptions, but certainly their way to resolve problems, I'm very sceptical of. Um, but I, I think, you know, we agree that racism is, um, you know, is a problem, um, and we should try and try and look for empirical ways of resolving those issues. So when it comes to, um, you know, disparities perhaps in sentences for certain crimes, um, you know, maybe we to, uh, you know, there, there are ways. I have quite sort of extreme views. You know, I, I think we should. You know, I'd love to see. Um, you know, more use of machine learning and, and, and artificial intelligence and stuff when it comes to sentences and uh, like um, actually remove human beings, remove people and their bias um, from it. And there's a lot of evidence and research looking into how, um, you know, machine learning and AI could be really useful at being much more objective um, because it doesn't, it's blind, it's literally blind to, 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 to race and, and to, to skin yeah. color. It's the, it's the true colorblind way of, um, uh, of, of addressing those things, I I I really like to see things like that um, uh, explored, and I think both people could agree that that that, that would be a good way of, of addressing those issues, removing um, you know the the humans human we are bias. the human bias from from those from those situations. I think would would be helpful, but um, and 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 trying to resolve um, you know obvious problems where they exist. I mean, again, though, I would. Uh, again, I'd have a caveat as well, is that one, one of the foundation principles as well that a lot of critical race theories have is whenever they see a disparity, they the presumption is the root cause is discrimination. And I just don't think that's, I don't think, I think that's, mm. if, if someone actually believes that, I think that's false. I don't think that is true. I think that disparities can be a consequence of, of, of discrimination, but they don't, they aren't, they aren't necessarily, that's not necessarily the case. And I'll give a very obvious example. If you look at just, uh, we, we can't even get um, achieve equality of outcomes um, in the same family. Okay, so let's look at one family. Let's say it have four children. Okay, so you've got you've got um, the same family, um, the the same uh, make makeup of the family, uh, the same uh, same genes, 
same uh, if the pa same same parents same parenting style uh, and the same values okay for those for those three or four children and yet you could have disparate uh, um, unequal outcomes between all of those children you know I know families where uh, you know one uh, and again this is no value judgment on what's valuable or not but you might have in, in one case you can have someone who's a hairdresser um, another person is a is a school teacher. Uh, another person is a lawyer and another person is on, on, on uh, is out of work and never worked, not in education, on, on the doll. So you've got same same case, they, they could all be white or they could all be black or Asian, except wherever you want to choose. But we all know that's the, the case is actually it's extremely difficult, even with the same input, to get an equal output. Um, and, and that's uncomfortable. That's an uncomfortable truth because we all... Um, we all think that, um, you know, if we just give everyone the, the opportunity, and I think we should give everyone um, equal opportunities, but we're not going to get, if you think you give everyone the same opportunities, you're going to get the same outcomes, you're going to be disappointed because that's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's that's some utopian creation. That's just, you're sure. never, you're never going to get that. And if that's your goal to get, um, to remove all disparities, you're just going to be sorely disappointed. And I know that's, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, certainly not saying it's a good thing um and that we shouldn't we, we can't um sometimes disparities might be flipped or they can be they can certainly be reduced but i i think in a lot of cases um it um it um it, it's gonna it, it's much more complex than reducing any disparity to a um to one particular issue so i think you know in some cases uh, racial bias might is obviously in some cases going to be uh, a, 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 a proportionally the explanation of, of something, mm. but I think they're often more. Um, there's also the thing social, social. You know, how likely is a particular group to have, um, you know, two parents at home, to be married, uh, to be um, um, uh, to be in, in work, to be uh, in terms of uh, uh, educational levels. You know, all these things. If you look at any any racial group, there are differences. Uh, average age, you know, Thomas Sowell points out the difference that, that massive disparities that there are certain groups have. Uh, if you look at their average age, is much lower or higher. So when you compare like mean income, well, when people first start working, you don't earn you don't earn. If you compare uh, a Hispanic group in the U.S. to eight to say Asians, well, Asians massively out out um, you know outperform in terms of annual income and things like that. But that's largely explained by the fact that they're on average an older an older group and have been in work for, for longer. There's there's all sorts of really, really complex um, things at play. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just skeptical. And again, I'm absolutely clear, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to resolve the issues we can. But I think if the goal is always, is, you know, we're not going to end until we have uh, equality of outcomes. That's just complete. That's just unrealistic. And we're going to be we're going to be really sorely disappointed. So what, what do you make of <laughs> um, okay, can you just clarify what you what you're saying? I don't want to say something before. Mm. I, don't, I haven't probably understood what you're saying. Tell me, so, no, tell me what you think I'm saying, and then I can tell you. Nah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that might not go down well. Because <laughs> um, I think at the start you were saying, look, so, so, to kind of uh, um, a response to what I was saying about, look, when I present what I believe to be empirical data showing um, disparities in, in, in education outcomes, in women's um, 
um, mortality rates when they go to go, go to hospital to give birth, in um, university outcomes, in use of police force, in use of a in, in use of arrest, so many different things. Okay, um, the labelling of black children as having social, emotional, mental health compared to their white counterparts, that's, that's, that's disproportionately labelled upon black ch Caribbean children, okay? And it, it, it kind of smells a little bit like um, the, the label that was given to, to black children in the 1970s as educationally subnormal. There, it's, not, it's not exactly the same, they don't quite map on, but there is this sense of pathologizing of black students, okay? And um, yeah, just, just, just the different things that I could, I could, give, could give examples of. You, I'm saying, look, are we willing to discuss the fact that across all of these things, black people are suffering? Mm. Is discrimination at work here? And I think it is. I think it is. Are you saying, Dan, that um, that that's not the case or that there are other factors that contribute? No, I, I, well? I'm saying that's partially the case. Okay. I, I, think, I think there are a lot. I think there are other contributing factors. So I think that uh, it, it, you know, trying to resolve any of those issues is is tied up in all sorts of. Um, uh, um, okay, I'm going to be careful. So I, I, I think I just basically think it's far more complex than that. I think that that we would. I think what would happen is we could try we could try everything we could to try and remove all the biases, and I think we would we would definitely see a reduction in some of it, in a lot of those things. In some things, it might be minimal. In others, it might be it might be a, a, rad a radical shift in things. But if you've got, um, you know, there, there are group differences and it's not to say that, that there's not, again, I'm, I'm trying to be as clear as I can. I'm not saying there are biological differences between different racial groups because actually we have far more in common biologically uh, with people who look different to us to people who can look very different, uh, you know, look very similar to us. But I, I think that there are um, certain there that I think culture, you know, it's not just we're not just a monoculture of certain ideas in certain groups that are unhelpful and other things that are helpful. You know, this thing, even looking at white people, there are certain I come white working class. You know, my mum never finished school, got expelled from school. Um, I, I come from a very complex, broken back background. Um, and there are certain things within that culture that are incredibly unhelpful. And that's why. You know, if you want to look at disparities, well, who, other than uh, Romanis, white working class boys and girls are the lowest attaining at school, the least likely to go to university. So we've got disparities. We've got disparities there, um, and and that would be an example of actually where you can have you can have horrible disparity. But I don't think the the explanation there is uh, is is racial prejudice is not racial prejudice. There are other explanations for that. Um, cultural social um factors as well that are at play there but that that is a, an example of a uh, i think of what can be going on in black groups um in in, in other groups so i'm not saying it's a, 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 a an issue to do with the black community because i think all groups have um cultural beliefs and assumptions that can be as i said unhelpful and helpful um uh, yeah i'm not sure if i clarify I'm trying to be really careful because I, I don't want people thinking I'm saying something that I'm not. I'm, I'm just trying to say that I, I absolutely agree that that um, that um, that bias and and whether it's conscious or unconscious prejudice does play a role in, in many of those things. I just don't think that is the 
Um, I don't think that's the sole explanation. I think um, if if we ever try to solve any disparity with um, just one variable at the expense of all, you know, that would be a terrible way to research any topic is just to think, right, there's this one explanation that's going to solve anything and human mm-hmm. nature and, and uh, is, 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 far, is far more complex than that. I just yeah. think, we would be dis- I think we would be disappointed. Yeah, and I think um, there is room to say that, you know, this is not going to be resolved until till the eschaton, you know, Revelation, I think 721 talks about around the throne of God, people from all nations and tongues, you know, uh, worshipping God. So, you know, God doesn't um, erase our, our our ethnic differences, he, he celebrates them. But I, I, I would say, I understand what the point that you're making. And I don't think that I'm saying that race is the only factor, which um, causes disparities of outcomes. I'm saying that I don't think people are willing to put it on the table and to, and that's, that's my issue. Mm -hmm. And also just to say your point about um, white working class, I think it's boys um, who are um, the least, the lowest attainers in school. I also think there is room to, to, I think it was, I can't remember his name, Stephen, somebody from Oxford university. He did lots of research with black middle-class parents and they found that um, basically the race of their 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 these families the, the race of their boys actually compounded um how they were treated in school so even though they were middle class they were they were excluded from school disproportionately mm-hmm. to their white peers even despite their class so I, I i do think that and this is something that i'm sure people will contest as well there is something to some of the the points that critical race theorist makes about intersectionality that you know someone who is uh, I would say not able-bodied who is a woman and who you know is working class may well encounter greater disadvantage or difficulty than someone who is not so I do think sometimes race can compound other disadvantages Mm -hmm. and I think from my experience and as you say you know our um, social media um can just create an echo chamber we could just be you know bumping heads with the same people all the time um I have noticed an unwillingness to say, to give credence to some of these things that are, that I've, I've I I I um address or, or mm-hmm. um, try to to discuss. Yeah, yeah, and I think we need to do do a better job of doing that. Like, I've got no no issue with 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 um you know with with that kind of. I think it's it's kind of self evident that um certain groups are are are, are disadvantaged, disadvantaged in the way that other groups are not and the, the the problem is it's the easy thing is is identifying the issue you know we can we can all identify that's an issue the problem comes with the with the solution i think and and i think what critical race theory has done really well is it has it's it is it is highlighted the the problem on a, an international level it's just I, I, I'm I'm skeptical of what they're offering as the solution. Like f- for me, what they're saying is the resolution feels like it's going to make things much worse um, rather than actually resolving it. And that, that's why I find quite disappointing because I'm like you. I I, I want to see these issues resolved. I want to see less racial discrimination, less discrimination against women, less discrimination against people with disabilities, fewer. Black boys being, um, you know, uh, expelled and 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 from, from school and all, all all those those kinds of things. I, I want that to reduce, but I I, I don't I don't know how, um, and and what and what they're offering solution. Um, so, so let's just feels like it, let's just clarify like a little bit. Yeah, 
going to tear culture apart. It's going to tear, it's break, um, destroy relationships, destroy. I just see it, it to me, it, it seems really destructive. Like when I start seeing, you know, when we're sharing some tweets, we've seen people saying these massive assumptions about groups of people rather than individuals. The thing I love about, um, you know, liberalism is, is, um, you know, and, and the traditions of, of, of the West that we've finally got to is seeing people as individuals, treating you, Claire, as an individual who happens to be a black woman, but you're 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 an individual who will, might have radically different views to other women who are black in the same way that Phil is a white man, but he has his own past history and, and views and not the same as all white men. And 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 to treat people and the, the nature of what I understand of critical race theory is it treats people as as groups. You know, you're simply in an oppressor group or an oppressed group. And and that really saddens me because I just I I, I think that's going to be it's going to be horribly destructive if it, um, yeah. especially when we start using you know employing that you know uh, they start making policy decisions and 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 um, you know teaching this thing as sort of as, as truth at schools and and telling our young people that because um, it's not always misunderstood you know you start teaching a little kid that because they're white they've got white privilege and and they're I don't want to get all into that, but I just, for, mm -hmm. for me, it just, I, 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 I'm saddened by it. And I wish there were um, a more obvious way that was going to be effective to counter these things. So just to get, get a bit of clarification on this. Um, so Dan, you're talking about solutions that you see. And I'll, I'll be interested in, Claire, if you share the same idea on what critical race theory provides as a solution. So from my understanding, it, it does group in the sense that here's, here's an oppressor group or here's a system that's at play that discriminates against a particular group of people. I, I'm kind of confused of what's next. What Does CRT actually give a solution? It, I think you're right, Dan. It does point out to the problem. What I then see is a lot of people like labelling people as oppressors but is that CRT? Like, what does CRT as a, even in the ac academy, what does it provide as a solution to this? Is it everything's deconstructed? And what does that look like? Um, do, do you, <laughs> I'm just confused. We're talking about a solution, but what is it, what is it when we say solution? What does that look well, like? This is, this is part of my concern as a Christian and as someone who has an interest in apologetics and wants to do evangelism undergirded by apologetics is the danger in Christians just discarding critical race theory when actually justice belongs to God. You know, the whole moral argument, we can argue that, you know, quite compellingly, that justice, that our objective moral standards, it emanates from God himself, okay? Mm -hmm. But when we do not engage with the conversation, when we just rubbish critical race theory, which I don't see happening, I, I don't see it happening to, you know, when, when I see Christian apologists engaging with those who would espouse pluralism, Christian apologists mm -hmm. engaging with those who would espouse, um, um, you know, asking questions, is, is there only one way to God, suffering, mm -hmm. all those big, you know, apologetics questions that, and, and objections that we're faced with. But I, I kind of feel like when we're talking about racial injustice, and if we are talking about critical race theory, the objections are just shot down. And, mm -hmm. and I'm going to explain to you some of the, the consequences of that. 
But first of all, I'll just read this a little bit here. This is again a quote from Derek Bell's essay, Who's Afraid of Critical Race Theory? And he quotes um, he quotes Angela Harris, uh, another scholar, and he says, she says, CRT, this is a critical race theorist saying this, CRT's ultimate vision is redemptive, not deconstructive. Imagine sitting down having a coffee with Angela Harris and saying, mm. you have said your aim is redemptive. Where are the lines of engagement that we can have? There are so many as a Christian. Mm -hmm. What does redemption look like to you? Have the conversation, not just shut it down. And that's what I have an issue with. I see, uh, you know, I've been trained in apologetics and behind every question is a questioner, but I don't see that same dignity given mm -hmm. to people who uh, um, advocate critical race theory or do, who just have an objection to Christianity because of what they see to be racial injustice. Give you an example, today, I received um, a request for some help for, for, for someone whose friend um, had kind of has gone to an Afrocentric religion. So kind of an idea, uh, there's, there's many of them, um, but Afrocentric um, religions that we're seeing today, like the shift of many black Christians, millennials or Gen Z moving away from Christianity into uh, either sort of Christian syncretism with African spirituality um, and this idea, I'm going back to my roots and what's what's been taken away from me from, from colonialism. I'm going back to sort of my indigenous spirituality. So that idea of syncretism or going to a completely Afrocentric religion, let's say Nation of Islam, okay, where blackness is at the centre of almost your salvation. And that's a very crude definition, but um, I'm just trying to trying to explain it quite mm -hmm. quickly. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. It's part of the consequence of black people's grievances whether they're christian Sikh, or skeptic not being taken seriously and having to prove that okay i want to i'll talk about black lives matter with a lowercase blm not a capital one because i'm not affiliated with it. having to do all of that work before you can get a seat at the table to have a discussion people are turning their backs upon christianity and and and, and walking away from it when all along justice belongs to god so I think the Christian apologists, as much as they may bristle when they hear critical race theory, do some research. Where are the lines where we can say, do you know what, we actually agree here? You know, Derek Bell, I read his quote before. He said, um, some positions have been have historically been oppressed. OK, and I know Dr. Neil Chevney, he talks about, I think in the conversation with Russell Berry, um, he talks about how the word oppressed has come to mean many, many things kind of like in critical race theory itself. Mm -hmm. But. May I would take out my Bible and say, look, let's look at Isaiah 61. What did Jesus say he'd come to do? When he, Jesus reads that, that text in the temple, Jesus says he's come to set the captives free, let the oppressed go free. Where are the lines where I can engage with you? And mm. then and show you, but actually, for me as a Christian, when I bring the deepest questions of my heart, when I bring, um, you know, my heart for justice, actually the Christian worldview has... Um, the most compelling explanation for one where i ground my moral outrage two how i can have a space to lament it and three why i should even bother to fight 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 against injustice right. but I, I i i really struggle to see any of that work going on it's just uh, um a criticism and a discussion about you know the the, the philosophical foundations of critical race theory which are you know gonna bring down christianity in the west as we know it and hmm. then we haven't even got there Mm. very seeming to be not much said about you know christian nationalism and and that for me is what breaks my heart because 
people are turning away. And as I said, I had a request today. Can I have some help with what to what to say to this person who's turned the back on Christianity in favour of an Afrocentric religion? Um, help, help me. This is what's happening. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much in in that Claire that I think is really really important, and I think is really the heart of what, what these conversations are about is finding the bridge, uh, the connection with with these complex topics, and and working out how to challenge the church, how to challenge. And when I say the church, it's, <laughs> I'm talking about as a church leader it, it, uh, and on an eldership team, it's it's working out um, how we how we engage these well, these conversations well, without shutting them down, finding the common ground. But I think one thing that Neil Shenvey does do well is to encourage that questioning of when I say oppression, what are you hearing? When I say redemption, what are you hearing? And and working out, because the Christian idea of redemption, the Christian idea of oppression, even in, in nationalism, <laughs> all of that at least, we'll go into Christian nationalism in a, in a moment, but the all those aspects do have grounding um, justice. What does justice look like, biblically speaking? What, what, what are our hopes as Christians, new creation around the throne of God with all nations praising and all nations in all languages? Uh, this isn't going to be a conformed uh, unit of one colour. There's going to be difference there, and we've got to be able to celebrate that as church now. And um, so there's, there's all of this... Um, beauty in in the gospel that uh covers cultures and and unifies them but doesn't make them uh blind to the difference um which which then is something to to explore with people and yeah it breaks my heart that people would yeah leave leave the faith but i can see why when you're labeled a marxist and a a, a cultural marxist or whatever it is just for, for bringing up the conversation of race yeah. So go on. go on, Dan, and then we'll we'll move on to this conversation yeah. with Christian nationalism. No, okay. I, it's 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 a really um, good observation because it is it, clear because it, it it's toxic, isn't it? Like someone mentions something rather than as I was saying about trying to find common ground is you know I think with any idea you know or, or you know philosophy you look at you know what what can we receive, um, what can we redeem, and what and what should we reject? And it, it often seems when Christians are responding to critical race theory, we there's no there's no receive or redeem it's just reject that's the that, that's 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 the focus and and um you know if i was someone who who, who you know thought that view had some merit um uh, if someone's just going to attack and not listen and try and try and see what can be received and, and, and redeemed for uh, and what what we share in common rather than the focus being you know, what do we d- disagree about um right well we we best not talking talking more it, mm-hmm. um it ends all potential for for any sort of me- meaningful dialogue um yeah. especially like you said especially from apologists like you see apologetics ministries and pages sharing stuff um and it's always critical there's never anything positive you think there's literally nothing redemptive from critical race theory you would come across or nothing that christians should receive um mm-hmm. and and i guess and i i've said this before but um on other platforms but I'll say this again for me I don't see I see the example of the Apostle Paul in in the whole book of Acts where he engages with people who who think very differently to him and there are these time signals in the text where he says we spent three months here we spent 
two years there. He spent a few days. He spent time with people, okay? And then in Acts 17, my favourite scripture at the moment, um, when he quotes the people's own poets, I think it's Aratus and Epimenides. And actually he says, um, like um, their, their conception of God from a literary perspective was that we are his offspring. Paul did not deconstruct their worldview. Paul did not de deconstruct their conception of God. He said, actually used it in, terms, I think it's Acts 17 verse 30. It says, being being as we are his offspring, such and such and such, leading them to the gospel. And then the, 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 the obvious outcome is that some people said, do you know, we'll listen to you again. Some people said, you're mad. You're talking about the, re the resurrection. And some people um, actually became Christians. So you've got, mm -hmm. you know, you've got these three different responses. But had he completely rubbished what they had to say, rubbished their literary heritage, you know, there would have been none of that. No, no one would have become a Christian. No one would have said, you know what, let's re-engage. And, and mm. I think that part of the reason we have such a difficulty with dealing with critical race theory and, and um, investing the time to engage with it is because we have this reflex surely not racism isn't that bad i just oh people are just victims and i think i think it's a bad attitude and i think you know my, if anyone's listening i would appeal to you to take that to the lord ask the holy spirit is this happening in my heart mm. is it happening in my heart and then how can you you, you address that and how can you do the due diligence, your due diligence for critical race theory, and then seek to engage? Because if, if 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 this attitude continues, honestly, as someone who attends a black church, grew up in black Pentecostalism, is committed to um, working with young black people, uh, not to the exclusion of anybody else, but I, I, I'm I'm living in the black community, and I am I'm seeing people leave but then again is the reaction going to be mm, is that really true where's your empirical data for that mm. like mm. honestly there is something about black testimony not being believed you know i'm reading this book called gospel Haymanoth. it's by vince bantu and he's talking about ethiopian christians who were challenged by romanized christians telling them that what they believe isn't accurate. And actually they they believed they had a they had a well-grounded orthodoxy. This is this is from like the 15th century. Hmm. This is this is earlier than that. Earlier than that actually. Okay. Hmm. I, I think I quoted Mary Prince before. Mary Prince was an enslaved um black woman. She became an abolitionist and she in her in her diary she talks about how um she 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 wanted to become a Christian and she couldn't tell her enslaver's wife um, why? Because um, there was this a this anti-conversion sentiment. Someone called Catherine Gerbner talks about this in a book called Chris um, Christian Slavery. This idea that a black woman couldn't possibly know what it means to be a Christian, you know, mm -hmm. and, and there are examples up until the present day where black people are saying this is happening and we're not being believed. And that is extremely painful. It's a little bit like um, in the book of St. Luke, I think it's Luke chapter eight, the woman is there, um, she, she's hemorrhaging and she touches Jesus and Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, how can you tell anybody touched you? We're all hustling and bustling. How can you say um, the coronavirus is killing black people more or deaf minorities more? Mm -hmm. we're, all, we're all suffering in the coronavirus. All of us are losing our jobs. All, all... But Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. Mm -hmm. 
And he believed her testimony. And that's how I feel sometimes. I'm saying, look, communities are hemorrhaging in these different ways. But thank God for Jesus that he will say, no, somebody touched me. Whereas, unfortunately, many of the times my white brothers and sisters in Christ will say, we're all, no, 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 it's not true. Provide us with this evidence first. State your claim first. It's not true. But Jesus, mm. so this is what, I'll, I'll say this final point. This is what um, Esau Macaulay writes about in his book, um, uh, Reading, Reading well, Black. Right? Yeah, and he cool. talks about the fact that the fact that the mere fact that the black church exists in the US or the UK, wherever, is a miracle. He calls it the miracle of the black church because there is a history of not believing black testimony. And, um, but yet there, there's something that I know as a black person, there's something about Jesus and I am drawn to him. Mm-hmm. And, and out of that springs the, the, the tenacity of the black church. So I would appeal to, to, to the listeners, if, if your reaction to critical race theory is just to put up a guard and not engage with it and write it off, I would ask you to investigate your presuppositions. Why are you like that? Obviously, the philosophical foundations, some of the, 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 the areas where critical race theory lands, I do not agree with. I can't because mm. it's, it's antithetical to the Christian worldview. Mm. However... Can anything, can you engage with anything? Can any of that be redeemed? Mm. And, and as, as you're speaking there, there's, there's a few things with the conversation in the past. We've had three conversations now about Islam. And the last one particularly was trying to find areas of agreement, uh, talking about who Jesus is, how they view Jesus. Everything about Islam is built antithetical to the Christian faith. But we would we probably don't respond and some people do maybe (laughs) to this in the same way to Islam as we, we do to CRT. And and I think actually there is a bit of a trend in apologetics channels to be as demeaning uh, to, to a person's faith without really building a bridge to, to walk across. And, And I think there's, there is a time for polemic, but I think we can end up, trouncing on what people find sacred before we've actually built trust to engage with them. And I think that's what Paul does well in Acts 17. He doesn't demolish all these ideas, yet in, in another letter he says we, we do demolish ideas. So it's it's how, do, how and when is it right to, and I think when we see something that is antithetical to Christ in CRT, we do stand our ground and say, oh, come, look, this is why. I can't go follow you down that road. But when you're talking about redemption, this is what I hear. And and it's and yes, I'm all for justice. Yes, I'm all for that. And and I just sort of trying to repeat back to you what I'm hearing is that this need to for nuance, for for engaging well, for listening well, and not just going, everyone's a cultural Marxist who starts talking about justice and and race and and things like that i I realize we're at an hour and a half and we haven't talked about the second half of this we've (laughs) we've sort of dropped dropped on it which generally happens in these conversations and i think it it is something that i'll I'll be interested to to touch on just briefly maybe have we got the time on claire have we we got 15 minutes how long how long do we have sure yeah yeah, you're good. Daniel, you're good for 15 minutes. I realize you've. Yeah. yeah. So, kind of, 
the the other extreme of this with CRT, CRT is the Christian nation, nationalism side of things, and we've seen that potentially more in the states. Though I think there are some aspects trickling in that I've seen on at least comments on online where we've had recently uh, a black clergyman said something about um, Sir Captain Tom, which is probably missed. <laughs> wasn't the greatest time to tweet something like that. He took it down. The London Diocese has then put out a statement saying, He's apologized. We apologize on his behalf. But looking at the thread below it, the comments, I would say, are where we end up with some Christian nationalism of um, so anti-CRT. Anti we've got to stand our ground for what we know is Western and true. <laughs> and, and so I guess maybe to go back to our terms, I, I would define Christian nationalism as this concept of uh, my understanding of Christ's teaching is um, part of my cultural heritage to the extent that any change to my culture, my culture, cultural surroundings or practice threatens my faith. So in the example, really in your face example is um an American example, the flag next to the altar, the, the American flag next to the altar at the front of a church. Um, and on certain days of the year, when they celebrate their military, they go all out and it's flags everywhere, even on top of the cross. And um, so that, that would be a visual definition of Christian nationalism. I don't think we have it as extreme in the UK, but I think there are elements that I see culturally where we have uh, put things as part of our gospel, which are actually cultural. So the way we do church uh, is very white British in, in majority churches, or the way we lay our church could be. And I'm trying to define nationalism it might be that i don't have that many examples of this because i haven't actually found that many but i'm how would you define it dan i see you wriggling <laughs> well i just yeah I, no i i think i have to be careful not to confuse nationalism patriot and patriotism okay um, yeah, yeah so definitely. so um you know i i don't think they they're necessary it's difficult because i think we can we can make conclusions based on especially as 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 being Brits looking at the US who are far more patriotic than um, than, than than Brits are by, by and large, and so I was speaking to an American friend a couple of days ago, just kind of kind of saying how um, how odd we look at America. Sometimes we just you know we love America, and we, uh, you know I'm I'm a big believer. And I think that that, that, uh, that uh, a united, healthy America is 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 important for world stability and, and, and things like that. Um, and and I, I want to see America uh, to do well. Um, and um, I think we, the way we, we look at the US sometimes, and they're actually, especially Christians as well, um, they have things intertwined much more closely um, than, than, yeah. than we do in terms of love of country, um, love of their heritage uh, and um, and, and and their country as, as, as it stands that we don't we don't have an, an equivalent of so i just think we have to be careful i think we often we can come to 
um, we can make assumptions about what we think they're saying and uh, rather than what than perhaps what they are. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with loving your country, thinking that your country is a good country to be. And actually, that's not just what Americans think. You know, where do the, where the majority of the world's immigrants want to go to? Mm. What country do they want to go to? United States. They want to go there. And they want to go there because... Um, they believe that in the US they will uh, they will be able to better themselves. Free. Uh, yeah, and they and they do, and that's why if you look at um, this is what's interesting. You look at the data between you know, for um, black immigrants to the US, extremely successful. I think they're probably the highest when it comes to um, annual um, earnings and, and things like that. Um, that uh, immigrants from the Caribbean and West Africa um, uh, do do fantastic. Like they they flourish. It is not ac it's accurate to say that they flourish in the United States, um, and that's why so many people want to want want. That's why so many people want to immigrate there. There's not an assumption from them that is this sort of, um, and I'm not saying it's not, but they don't they don't necessarily see it as this as this racist state that's gonna um, mm. that's gonna stop them from flourishing. They see that if they work hard, and I'm not saying this is true. I'm saying is that they perceive the perception is if they work hard, uh, they will succeed. And, and and largely that is often the case. And and what, what's, what it tends to, what's what, Christian what, nationalism though? <laughs> You're going to oh, a bit sorry. Of yeah. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I don't I don't I don't think I think I, I wouldn't agree with your definition. I don't think there's anything. Um, I, I think a Christian can. I think that Christians love his country. If you want to look at what academics say, so the most recent book uh, was by uh, Whitehead and uh, Perry talk about taking America back for God, and they they define Christian uh, nationalism in a way that doesn't work for us. So you couldn't have on their on their definition, you couldn't have um, Christian nationalism. It have to be defined differently. But they talk about certain criteria that has to be met. So they they would look at things like I think they they have um, I think six questions. So one is um, and basically depending on where you say whether you strongly disagree or whether you strongly agree, you would you would depending on what score you got, you would you would be a, a ever a, you wouldn't be a Christian nationalist or you would. So one of the questions is uh, the fed, federal government should declare the US a Christian nation. So if you strongly agree with that, you're gonna you're gonna do you, that. You're gonna contribute to your your score for Christian nationalism. Uh, if you the success of the US is part of God's plan, if you believe that, you're a Christian nationalist. Uh, if you um, the federal government should advocate Christian values, if you agree with that, you're a Christian nationalist. Um, the federal government should allow prayer in public schools, if you agree with that, you're a Christian nationalist. And so there's there's a lot of um, like, like for me, that's not very helpful because I think there's no. um, there 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 are things within that I wouldn't dis I wouldn't agree with, but there's also parts where I, where I would I would agree. And, and on that score, I don't come up as a Christian nationalist. Um, but um, a lot of the fear and stuff that's being stoked up about this group of white national uh, Christian nationalists who are going to um, you know destroy destroy the world. Uh, I don't think they're actually uh, a lot of the a lot of the uh, the discourse about that basically seems to be trying to define conservative Christians in a way that they're this boogeyman group, you know, uh, uh, Christian uh, Christian nationalists. That's interesting. I, I, just b before we dig into that, Claire, do do you have a particular definition in mind when we talk about when? Because you've mentioned it a couple times, um, and I'm just going to comment on the. There's a comment in the live chat. Um, there is no Christian nationalism. If you follow Christ, you're a Christian. We, we agree with that, except that there is, or I do, sorry, I won't speak for everyone. Uh, 
I would agree with that, but there is a form of nationalism that I am wary of that comes into the church. And so I'll come back to the difference I see between nationalism and patriotism, because I think there is a difference there. But Claire, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Dan, I just want to pick up on a point you said um, there that this idea of, of Christian nationalists or Christian conservatives who are seen as the bogeyman who are going to infiltrate. Uh, that, that, that is the description, uh, maybe not in the same words, I think is, has, is, has been labelled um, indiscriminately upon critical race theory. <laughs> so that, that was interesting. Race theory is the bogeyman that is going to bring down Christianity in the West. That's, yeah. that's what I've seen, which I think is very, very interesting. And you, you, you said that you don't think such a bogeyman exists, but but I have seen the the caric um, caricaturing of critical race theory as the the you know worst evil that is going to bring down that is threatening to bring Christianity, and that is my issue. That is my issue. So for me, Christian nationalism and people are saying I've seen in the chat people are saying oh, there is no such thing as Christian nationalism. What I mean is that I don't think there should be such a thing as Christian nationalism. I'm trying to describe a phenomenon that I phenomenon that I'm seeing in the culture, which is, you know, I, I let's just take for instance, um, is it Jeremiah Johnson, um, uh, an American mm. Christian mm, minister? Yeah. yeah laid out an apology for prophesying that Trump would have a second term in office. And I'm not even going to get into that. But when I read the apology, I couldn't stomach reading all of it, to be honest with you. But the bits I did read, he he kind of laid out, first of all, what he said and then what happened in reality and why he's apologising. When I read what he actually said about Trump having a second term, it was so detailed. It It was like... I, I couldn't believe how detailed his vision of, of his prophetic idea of what Trump would do and achieve in a second term would be. And I thought, if God can speak to you so clearly about what Trump's second term would be, can God not speak to you about, you know, the horrors of racial injustice as well? And so for me, Christian nationalism is this tying together of Christianity with political aims. The um, I have seen videos of so many people, um, American Christians, who prophesied that Trump would uh, be re-elected, and I'm, I'm not here to get into American politics, as in no, that's fine. Know, versus yeah. Democrats, but I'm, I'm talking about using Christianity to, to, to state your political aims, and then the apology, which I, as I said, I didn't read all of it, didn't seem to do to do justice to to to, to what he he was saying. But I, I think, I think perhaps there is slightly more danger in a movement that dresses itself up as Christianity, is in the house, right? You know, claiming to be Christian, but is actually quite can lead to some quite dangerous ends, and mm. and I think. For me, watching that and then then seeing the Capitol riots on 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 January sixth, and tumbleweed, mm. <laughs> you know, for for the same Christians who would condemn critical race theory as the worst evil against Christianity in the West, not saying too much about uh, you know flags saying Jesus twenty twenty, you know, a, a noose mm. being erected in the middle of the square. You know, I think I saw a video of um, a guy who was wearing that, that what was it, that helmet thing, um, having a prayer meeting as they broke into yeah. the, the, the Congress room. 
mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. The, the, Vi- the Viking guy, yeah. Come on, let's have a conversation about that. Surely yeah. to me, that is slightly more dangerous because it's dressed up in all of the garbs of Christianity. And I, I, I think we need to have a discussion about that. That's that's mm-hmm. That's my roundabout way of trying to define what Christian nationalism is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think a, a lot of American Christians, and this is what I was talking to my friend about, are they, they how their 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 politics and their and their Christianity are enmeshed in a way that they shouldn't be. Um, they're they're unable to be uh, objective, um, and um, and I think that the the nature of of, of political affiliation there is uh, plays a part in that as well because you have to register you're a registered republican and you can own much or you're a registered democrat it's very difficult to the political system here and so you end that it does end up sort of forming um you know being almost identity forming in a way that it's, it wouldn't be in um perhaps perhaps, perhaps over here i i think again I, i'm yeah i mean one of the differences i think with critical race theory as well i think where where people would see a difference is in terms of um their their influence well i guess i think both both will probably you both both of the case for both there will be some political influence on both cases i think one of the things that you see is is university campuses are 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 you know, places where um you know critical race theory and those the what would i i mean i don't mean critical justice in the in the um in the pejorative sense but critical critical justice in that sense uh have power and you know, and you see a lot of universities you know, having mandatory training, and you know, all students have to have training in white privilege, and and um, you know, uh, all these kinds of things. And you see, I think there is a, a concern about it does have um, this cultural influence in a way that um, Christian nationalism doesn't. Uh, but I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about both. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think Christians should should their their politics. I, I'm a real believer. Like I, I'm in in just uh, for me, political engagement always requires compromise, and that's why I, I struggle to vote. I don't I don't think a Christian should ever um, yeah. self-identify as. Um, when Christians start talking about politics more than the gospel, I just have concerns. When I see all Christian mm. friends, I'm a Christian. They're talking about the Labour Party or Conservative Party. I just think you've lost your way. Uh, and I know that's controversial. I just don't think that the, that the means of changing the world is through the gospel and not through trying to wield political power over people you disagree with. And, and yeah. that's something that a lot of American Christians um, disagree with. Um, yeah. and, and unfortunately, it breeds extremes. And that's why you see America becoming increasingly fractured, because you've got um, um, people trying to hit, you know, I, I want political power so I can push my views on you, not persuade you of them. Or demonstrate persuade you through love and 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 uh, and and reason, but I want to persuade you. I'm, I'm going to crush you with my political power, and then when I lose power, now I'll ah right now it's my turn to get back, and I'm going to crush you with my political power. And I'm going to force you to embrace your children to have my beliefs, and it's just it, it, it created this toxic toxic environment where um, where Christians are doing things they they shouldn't be and yeah. saying things they shouldn't be, and I I dislike both. Yeah. I think, I think just to, to clarify why I went for the um, the flags in the churches. So yeah, I agree. There's a healthy nationalism in, in some some respect. Maybe sorry, not nationalism, healthy patriotism. In in that you you can I, I you can love your country and be critical of it. And generally, I think 
if you love your country, you're critical of it, or you should be. Where it falls into nationalism is where you can no longer hear criticism and are ultimately defensive of it because you think it's God's country. And I think there's a there's a massive aspect of that with regards to um, what I see in church. I, I get because I've got a bunch of Christian uh, friends in the states uh, around the the voting point. I had friends sharing their friends' sermons or their pastors' sermons, and they were about how to vote, who you should vote for, who you shouldn't vote for, why you can't vote for a Democrat. That was most of them. Um, and if and then a bunch of pastors, including John MacArthur, saying you can't vote, f- you can't be a true believer unless you vote for Trump. So that that's the kind of and the reason I'm wary of that is because that then filtered into, and I think the sort of and it is a Republican aspect in the states, but um, we don't really need to go down that route. But the QAnon aspect that has jumped on board. So the whole conspiracies and the following that down seems to be a white phenomenon, mostly from from the crowds on Capitol Hill. Uh, And they are waving these banners that say Jesus saves and um, having prayer meetings. And um, and and they, they were apparently saying prayers and worship in the middle of Capitol while they'd stormed in and someone had got shot. So whatever your views on that whole Capitol Hill riot, whether it was Trump supporters or whatever, my frustrations were that that became the conversation with among Christians of they're not us. They're not me as a Trump supporter. It it was, and you're like, but that's not the point. They're waving Jesus banners. (laughs) They're waving Bibles. Surely you want to go, they're not Christians or or they're not the true believers or, or whatever, if, whatever you want to do to, to say that's not right. But I've seen, I've seen videos of pastors now going back to their pastors, back to the churches saying, yeah, I'd, I'd be there again. I was on Capitol Hill and it was great until some, some people did some silly things. And you're like, that's not kind of, that's, that's not, if, if, if there's any tables were turned, <laughs> I think we'd see, a vast difference in how it was uh yeah and that, that's my issue down. i'm not here to say yeah. that christians should embrace critical race theory wholesale and, and run with it i'm here to say what can we engage with that's what i'm here to say um mm-hmm. because we are you know lovers of, of of christ we want to share our faith okay that's what i'm saying I am not saying that everyone who was at Capitol Hill um, is, is, you know, and, and behaved in a certain way is representative of all Christians. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But what I have seen is that there is more of a nuance and a grace given to, oh, false, they were false teachers, those people who prophesied that Trump was going to have a second. Mm-hmm. They were the false Christians. But everyone, <laughs> a Christian who says, look, okay, racial injustice exists let's leave critical race if they just say racial injustice exists in interpersonal and systemic forms you're a critical race theorist you know you need to you need to go back to to the word of god and then saying actually maybe critical race theory has something that we can we can learn from again there isn't that nuance which is just thrown out and i think that is an issue i think Mm. there isn't a um there there's a there's a disparity in the force and the millennials i'd say the energy that was brought to to 
you know, black Christians who were saying racial injustice exists or people who talk about critical race theory, uh, a huge condemnation of them bringing that to the table and a very light touch or a, we need to have some nuance here, not everyone on capital. And, and I think that is, I think that's a problem. And it's one we need to ask ourselves why. And I have some of my own uh, reasons as, as to why I think that is. Trying to type and uh, respond at the same time is quite uh, difficult. <laughs> but the, uh, I think I think you're, you're spot on, Claire. I, I think uh, it's we we say it a lot on this channel. Nuance is <laughs> required, and and I think listening well um, is vital in in all these situations, and and also being trying to be consistent. And I think just on a sort of final comment. The, the dangers I'm seeing in, in all of this, um, and I saw it a lot around the riots of Capitol Hill, was a preemptive strike of don't you dare condemn this if you didn't condemn the summer riots. Um, and th in regards to BLM, that instantly, even, even the people that are against CRT <laughs> spotted a discrepancy in or wanted to make it a, a, a race thing and it wasn't it was a bizarre situation on my facebook feed because i've just got different people <laughs> on my feed uh seeing people jump on this idea that we're not going to condemn this until you condemn that it's just a very bizarre idea and i think on your your podcast claire you've got a, a very good um i think it's one of your first ones on whataboutism mm. and I, I think that's a a, a valid thing of I can condemn this thing without needing to justify X, Y, Z <laughs> as well as this thing um, and, and trying to get people to, to explain their different sides without condemning uh, everything about their side, I think is, is stuff that we're trying to get across in this conversation. Uh, I realize the time. Are there any sort of final points going away from this? Any resources that you've found clarified because I, I think that's part of it as well when we all of us just at some point have said that there's aspects to crt that aren't very well defined um trying to find the redemptive aspects are difficult and there was a comment in uh what was it someone someone commented about um actually asking directly is there a repentance or a redemptive aspect my response on that is just that that's the that's the point is ask that question what do you if, if someone comes to you with crt <laughs> what ask the questions uh where where is the end goal where are we headed uh with that um so i'm gonna go to claire what what resources would you direct people to on this and um any final comments as well with regard to kind of seeing what some of the consequence is of um, just rejecting CRT wholesale and saying, you know, calling anyone who says racial injustice exists as a cultural Marxist. Do look at, um, there's a video series by um, Lisa Fields of the Jude 3 Project, okay? Mm -hmm. The Jude 3 Project. And she's got a series called Why I Don't Go. And she's talking to black Christian millennials about why they no longer go to church. And I think that would that would um, give us something to think about. Um, so I, I would recommend that resource and anything written by Vince Bantu and um, Esau McCauley. I think they they are 
really um, articulating well some of the issues that I'm, I'm trying to raise here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I agree, Lisa I've read his book, Reading While Black, recently, and I highly recommend it. I haven't yet read Vince Bantu, but I look forward to engaging with him. Um, Dan, any, any resources you've come across that are... Uh, I will just say first, there was a, a commenter, uh, what is it, DWB, um, who, who mentioned about AI um, being created by uh, humans, find it. By, by humans with, with biases. Uh, yeah, and, the, and, and they're right. Um, nevertheless, you know, the empirical research, when there have been studies done using AI um, and looking at recidivism rates, for uh, criminals, um, AI was much more ac accurate at identifying people who um, who were going to um, commit crimes um, rather than the, hum the human judges themselves. So, um, you know, that might be the case. They do have some some in inherent bias within them, but um, it, it, it was uh, much it was much more effective at getting um, the, the beneficial outcomes compared to um, humans pretending that we're, we're able to be objective when, when we can't. Um, in terms of uh, resources, uh, yeah, I'm just going to say I do like Thomas Sowell. Um, I think everyone should read Discrimination and Disparities by Thomas Sowell. Um, I think that re regardless of whether you stand, uh, I think it is um, We do encourage people reading people they disagree with. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so on both sides, the stuff I, mm -hmm. I've, um, I'm not quite so sure on. Um, he doesn't always give his sources, um, whereas uh, other things he does. But it's genuinely interesting, interesting read. Um, in terms of critical race theory, uh, just try and read the original sources. I think that's the, the best way of try, trying to get your head around. I'm still, my temptation is always trying to read people who summarize things for me especially yeah. then the people that i agree with on other things um and so that that can be my temptation too but i think it, it a much fairer way is to try and read what people are actually saying for themselves rather than letting someone else tell you what they're saying and that's that's not always um the case awesome is there anything you'd like to say uh as we as we close yeah, I just respond to a comment in the in the chat. It says, um, by definition, if you claim that someone asking for evidence for your claims is an insult or discrimination, this is victimhood culture, um, e.g. Islamophobia, me too. Okay, just to be clear, I when I was saying that um, if I'm saying as a black person, racial injustice exists, and I am bringing empirical data you know, academic journals, research not done by black people. I think that data is rational and sufficient that I'm bringing the evidence and then just not being believed, not listening to, that is a problem. I'm not saying racism exists, we need to sort it out and bringing nothing. I'm saying there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, a lot of conversations I've had and this kind of pushback, this instant pushback. I'm not claiming that's to me, that's not victimhood because I'm bringing I have done the work to bring the data. But right. as I have tried to say. For a long time, there has been. Um, question marks over black testimony. And the, and the testimony of black Christians, I would say, from, from what I've seen. So that I just wanted to respond to that point. I'm not talking about saying something without bringing evidence. I'm saying bringing evidence as well and having that evidence refuted or um, said, well, 
or, or said to be irrational or said to be, it, it doesn't count. Um, mm. That's that's a problem for me. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Cool. Um, I realise there's quite a lot of um, other comments on there. And uh, Claire, thank you so much for your time. And uh, it's it's been really interesting for <laughs> so much to, to process. And I, I hope that you've uh, found it helpful. And I've really, yeah, learned a lot from both your interactions, particularly uh, Dan and Claire, and I appreciate that. And uh, so I'm going to wrap it up there. We're almost at the two hour mark. So uh, we, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. I, I just say I've added a link in there. Um, I, 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 I could I can find the the academic literature, but if you um, there's a Forbes article about uh, recidivism and promise of machine learning. Um, cool. Uh, uh, that I put there from Forbes, which is quite a helpful sort of summary for people. Anyone who's interested in what, what I was I didn't go into detail, but cool. Awesome. There's been quite a few comments. Repent, uh, Dragon. I've seen a lot of your comments. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Uh, we do agree that Christianity is all about love, and uh, we do hope we've shown that uh, and uh, discussed how we can do that better as Christians uh, finding the bridge and all of that. So on that note, thank you for your time. God thank bless you, you. And thank you, Claire. We'll uh, see you. for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show if you like what you hear please do give us a subscribe on youtube or follow us on any of the social media out there and give us feedback get in touch let us know what you think if you really enjoyed the content and want to support it find us on patreon.com